0: <laughs> what's <is> up <laughs> how's everyone doing tonight good oh how's everyone doing tonight thank you i'm excited to be here if you don't know who i am my name is jess i'm the young adult coordinator and so yeah i love that you guys shout for coordinating i know it's just i mean out here we've really coordinating. So, if you don't know who I am, my name is Jess. I get to serve along pastors Vance and Gabrielle um, with our young adult ministry. I started working here just over a year ago, and I'm just so grateful that I get to be a part of this house. This house is special, and it's so different, and it's crazy because I actually wasn't supposed to be here. If you never heard my story, I was supposed to be moved to Florida, and I had a life that I loved in Florida. But you know, God had me come here, and you just like. Over a year, I've been here, and the Lord has restored so much of my life in this house and in this ministry, and I couldn't imagine being anywhere else. Like, I loved my life in Florida, but it's something special when you're where God called you, and like, this house has impacted my life in so many ways, and so I'm so grateful that I get to be here tonight, and I'm excited because I got a word for you tonight. I got a word. And if you didn't know, we have been studying the book of James. And so, James is the brother of Jesus, and he's writing this letter to the church because the church is going through a lot of trials, a lot of persecutions. They're really going through it right now. And so, James is writing to them saying, Hey, trials are going to come, but here's the tools that you need to be able to get through the trials. And I'm excited because it was actually quite funny because I knew that I was going to be preaching tonight, but I knew that I would be continuing off of like what Carl and Pastor Vance were preaching, and so I was like, I kind of get the last like pick of the straw, I guess, of chapter one of James, and so I was just doing a deep study on James, you know, just reading all of it, and there was four verses I didn't highlight as I'm doing like my own study, because you know some verses just don't hit like that, but other verses do, and you're like, you be highlighting everything. But these four verses I didn't highlight, and it turns out that's what I'm going to be preaching on tonight, amen? So <laughs> I'm excited, though, because it's so funny where we can approach the Word of God sometimes and not really have expectation to actually glean from it. But I believe tonight that as you're in this room, that you're not just here because you happen to be here. You're not just here because you decided to come, and it's another Tuesday, and this is part of your routine. I really wanna challenge you guys tonight to rise up your expectation in the room. I don't want you to just come tonight and think that this is just another night, but actual life change can happen tonight. And I don't know about you, but I know that I'm hungry for the word. I'm hungry for it because I need it. I need a change in my life. Trials have been hard lately. Life has not been easy. I've been in the most challenging season of my life these last few months, but I'm hungry And I know that God spoke so clearly to me with these four verses. And I really, really believe that God's going to speak to you. So I want to challenge you to go ahead and rise up your expectations. Go ahead and be ready to hear what the Word of God has for you. Because the Word of God is powerful. Hebrews 4.12 says how the Word of God is living, it's active. It's sharper than two-edged sword. That it pierces our minds and our hearts. It judges our thoughts and attitudes, not to condemn us but actually to point out how we have hope in the Word of God. He's pointing out things in you to heal you and to set you free. The Word of God doesn't condemn, but it brings life and hope. And I believe that you're gonna walk out of here with hope and life tonight in the name of Jesus. So I want you to rise up your expectation to receive tonight, Amen? Amen. So we've been studying the book of James. Like I said, James is the brother of Jesus. And we started out with Pastor Carl, he wrote the word on hearing and doing God's word. He talked about when we hear God's word, we not only have to keep it like that, but we need to do God's word. And then Pastor Vance rewinded it to chapter 1, verse 1, and he talked about having joy in the middle of trials. Consider it pure joy. It's based off of how we view things, that we can consider it pure joy, that it's not always easy to, but we have to switch our perspective and how we view our trials, And then last week, he brought the word about how to get answers from God, and how we need to approach God seeking wisdom, and that we need to stand in faith. And so today, I'm going to talk to you guys about what remains, because we're living in a life that James is warning us in the scripture that things are going to fade away. So we're going to actually jump right in, and we're going to read. You guys can turn to James chapter 1. You have your physical Bible in the name of Jesus, your Bible app in the name of Jesus, just as holy as a physical Bible. You know, technology, praise God. All right, it's also going to be on the screen, so that's good too. James 1, verses 1 through 12. Actually, I'm going to have everyone stand, and you're like, oh, we just got comfortable. But I'm going to have you guys stand, because like I said, we're rising up expectation tonight, and I want to do things a little bit different. So we're going to... Stand and read the word because I want you really to hone in and let the word of God pierce your heart tonight. So, James 1 1 through 12. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. If you lack wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. Oh, I lost my spot. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Okay. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously without finding fault. Praise God. And it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double minded and unstable in all they do. And this is where we're picking up today. Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position, but the rich should take pride in their humiliation, since they will pass away like a wild flower. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the plant, and its blossoms fall, and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away even while they go about their business. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love them. Amen. Yaga can be seated. Praise God. The word of God speaks. Amen. I'm excited. So what James is saying here, quick summary, is saying he's giving us a warning. He's warning us and saying, hey, things are going to fade away. Things aren't actually as they seem. And he's giving us this illustration of this flower and in its beauty, that it actually, as the scorching heat comes, that it's gonna wither, that the beauty's gonna fade away, that it's not gonna last, it can't remain. It's gonna fade away, and James is saying, warning, warning, be careful about what you build your life on because something's gonna fade away. And we need to know what that is. I don't know about you, but I don't want to live a life that's towards something that's going to fade away. Life is too hard. It's, there's too much going on to give all my effort to something that's not going to last. Can you guys agree? We don't want to put all of our effort into something that's going to fade away. We're a very like entrepreneur, go-get-it generation, and it, it's a blessing, but we have to make sure we're going to get it in the right direction. We have to make sure that we come alongside each other and that we're like running towards the things that aren't going to fade away. And so we're going to be challenged tonight to see what is our life built off of. Are we building our life and storing up things that are going to fade away? Or are we going to hone in and choose today to be able to build our life on something that will remain? Because that's what the scorching heat does. It's the trial. It's a theme that James talks about, is trials. And he's saying these trials are going to challenge things in you. He's going to... The, The trials are going to challenge what your life is made of. And so we're going to hop in. I'm going to pray really quickly, and then we're going to jump into verse 9. So, dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much that we get to come and hear your word, God. I thank you that we get to gather in a place, Lord Jesus, with a body of believers, Father, with community, with a lot of people that are all going through the same seasons and the same journeys, God and be able to come alongside each other and encourage one another. I pray, Lord, that you will bless and honor this time, and that everything may be a sweet fragrance to you, Father. Let your words speak, God. Will you heal us tonight? Will you give us freedom tonight, Lord? And will we come in alignment with you, Father? We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So, first off in verse 9 and 10, it says believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high positions, but the rich should take pride in their humiliation. So, humble circumstances in this verse is actually tapinos, and it means to be brought low or to be brought low in grief. So, James isn't just saying if you're wealthier or if you're poor, that this state of humble circumstances is being brought low. It doesn't actually have to be financial. It could be circumstance. It can be situational, where you're been brought low. And maybe you're going through depression. It's a space where you're been brought low. But James is saying, man, you can take pride in your high position. And that pride is not like pride as look at me. It's pride in being able to boast, because in our weakness, he is made strong. And then James is saying that if you are rich, that you will actually be humiliated, but not because of being rich is being bad. It's saying that most people that are in these high positions in these high circumstances, they don't use their resources in the way, they use their resources in a way that keep their stability in their life and their comfortability in their life. Because they're so resourceful and they have the things that they need, they don't have to rely on God, they can rely on their resources. But James is actually bringing equality in these verses, saying regardless of the situation that you're in, things are going to change. So you can be in humble circumstance and be on a mountaintop the next day. You can be in high positions, mountaintop, and be humbled the next day. And we have to understand that. We have to understand that we're living in a life and a journey that there's seasons, there's ups and downs. I think it's Ecclesiastes says that there's a season for weeping. There's a season for joy. There's a season for laughter. There's a season for mourning. There's seasons. And as we're walking through this Christian faith, as we're walking through this journey here on earth, we have to understand that seasons come. A season might be good. A season's going to be bad. So we can't build our life on our circumstances. We can't build our life on the things that we have or our resources because things can easily change. And so when we approach this, we have to understand that he's actually leading into what he's about to talk about, that things are going to fade. But it's so beautiful because the way that Jesus came and he came as a servant, he made it equal for all of us to be able to receive this message, for all of us to be able to receive the things that remain. He didn't come as a king because not all of us are going to be kings and queens. Not all of us are going to be in control. So he came as a servant to make an open door for all of us to be able to follow. And that's good news because regardless of your circumstance, there's news out there for you that God has something for you that will remain. And he doesn't favoritism who it's going to be given. He actually opens up the door to everyone. And so James is saying, hey, it's okay if you're in a humbled circumstance because you're not going to stay there. Take pride in that. And hey, if you're in a high mountaintop, that's okay too. But no, don't build your life on it because it can fade away. And it can change in a moment. And so we're going to get into what is that thing that's going to fade away. So in verse 10, it says, But the rich should take pride in their humiliation, since they will pass away like a wildflower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. It blossoms, falls, and its beauty is destroyed. destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away even while they go about their business. And so as I was studying this, when I was reading about beauty and beauty failing, fading away, the Holy Spirit led me to um, this thing in the book of Revelation. And in the book of Revelation, it is a book where John is getting this revelation of what is to come. He was the disciple of Jesus, and he's been exiled to this island called Island of Patmos. And he's there. He's, that's, like, that's where his life is. And he gets this crazy revelation, and this angel is showing him what is to come. And it hasn't already come. It's still coming today, to this day. And so in that, we're going to actually look at Revelation 17 and 18. I'm not going to read both chapters. Glory to God, that's not going to happen. But I'm going to pull different verses from it. So, um, but we're going to look at, in this two chapters, it addresses the city of Babylon. And if you don't know what the city of Babylon is, Babylon was this beautiful, wealthy, luxurious city that actually ran most of the cultures around. So they were a luxurious city that, man, like had wealth beyond wealth beyond wealth, that everyone looked to the city for what it was for cultural systems. The merchants would trade off of the city. Um, like, the, everyone looked at the city for religion and what they, they, what they worshipped and how they should worship in their cities. They worshipped multiple gods, Greek goddesses. And so everyone looked at this city. It was called, like, the Great City. And we have to understand that Babylon, for John in this situation, Babylon was actually, like, represented back in the Old Testament. And it's where, when the Israelites kept disobeying God, Jesus, the Lord, allowed Babylon to exile the Israelites. So they were in the Babylonian exile, if you've ever heard that before. It's all in the Old Testament. And they got captured by this city. That's where Daniel takes place during the Babylonian exile. And it's because this, this huge, wealthy city. Their military power was so strong. They had everything. Everyone wanted to be Babylon. Everyone wanted to be a part of the city. But for John, Babylon wasn't really like present at that time. For him, it was the Roman Empire. And so for him to hear Babylon, he understood that it was actually speaking for his city right then was the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire impacted everything. Everything went through the Roman Empire. The wealth, the luxuries, the government, politics, all that went through the Roman Empire. And so for us, we we have to, when we read stuff like that, we have to see how does it How does it apply to us now? So for us, it's not Babylon. It's not the Roman Empire. It's the American dream. And the American dream is this idea of if you get everything, if you have all the resources, if you have the wealth, you'll be good. You'll be comfortable. We find so much stability. Every, a lot of part of our lives are found in the stability of the American dream of the cultural systems, technology, like the economy, everything comes out of this American dream, comes out of America. We're such a resourceful nation. It's so funny because actually um, my mom is from Zimbabwe, so my aunt, she was visiting us this summer. She's so funny. She, she's a hoot. I love my aunt. So, so she came and she was visiting us and my aunt like, couldn't get enough of Amazon Prime. She thought Amazon Prime was like the coolest thing. She was like, I ordered that yesterday and I heard someone knocking on the door this morning. Like, what? She was just, it was so funny. She couldn't get enough of Amazon Prime. But it's because... They don't have that in Zimbabwe. They're like, someone comes and drops off a package at your door. Like, they don't have that in Zimbabwe. We're like, we're such a resourceful nation. And sometimes we don't actually realize that because we're so in the midst of it. But man, we can have almost anything at our fingertips. Literally almost anything, especially with technology. Like, we... Quickly, I could literally look up anything I wanted to right now. I could order food while I'm preaching. Like, that, that's ridiculous. You know, like, we have everything at our fingertips. We're such a resourceful nation. And that's what Babylon was. It was such a resourceful nation. But you see, Babylon, in Revelation 17, 5, I forgot to address this verse, but it says, The waters you saw where the prostitute sits are peoples, multitudes, nations, and languages. So this prostitute is actually Babylon. And it's saying that the angel is telling John, like, hey, look, this prostitute is actually impacting the multitudes, the languages, the people, the nations. And we have to understand that America, we're actually influencing most of the world in entertainment, in economy, and government, like politics, and the way that we're ran. Like, a lot of nations look to America and how, we're, how we run our systems and our culture. But it doesn't end there. And so, in Revelation 18, 16 through 19, it says, And cry out, Woe! Woe to you, great city dressed in fine linen, purple and scarlet, and glittering with gold, precious stones and pearls, In one hour, such great wealth has been brought to ruin. Every sea captain and all who traveled by ship, the sailors and all who earned their living from the sea, will stand far off. When they see the smoke of her burning, they will exclaim, was there ever a city like this great city? They they will throw dust on their heads and with weeping and mourning cry out, woe, woe to you, great city! where all who had ships on the sea became rich through her wealth. In one hour, she has been brought to ruin." And that word, ruin, actually means laid waste. So this city, woe to you, great city, she fell in one hour. And it's not actually one, like, physical hour. It's actually symbolism. Most of all of Revelation is all symbolism. And so when we read that one hour, it's the symbolism of one hour versus all of eternity. I mean, most of you guys have been here for an hour. And just like that, Babylon falls. This great city that impacted nations and multitudes and languages fell in one hour. And we have to understand that, that our systems, they're not bad, but we can't depend on them because they can crash tomorrow. Our economy, crash, can crash tomorrow. Government, it's already wild, right? Literally already wild, but it could crash tomorrow, right? The things that you're chasing after can crash tomorrow if they're built on the wrong thing. And the beautiful thing about it, though, is that we're all given desires and dreams and ambitions, and we want to go do Cause that's God given inside of you, but we can use them towards the wrong things, then they'll crash. And we have to understand that we have to be aware of it, that it's not bad to use resources from the world. We're so blessed as a nation and that's not something to take for granted. And it's not something that's bad, but we have to caution ourselves and know that it can crash in a second. So we have to be so aware of what we're building our life on because James is warning us and saying, Babylon's going to fade away. In one hour, Revelation says, fade to waste. And I don't know about you. I don't want to fade to waste and I don't want to put all my energy and all my efforts into something that's actually going to fade away in the end. Let's not be a people that are going to build our lives to something that's just going to fade away. Let's be a people that use wisdom, like Vance said last week. Let's use wisdom in what we're doing, that when we approach God and ask for wisdom, he'll give it to us generously so we can use wisdom and understanding, God, I have this dream inside of me and I know it's a God-given desire and a dream. How do I pursue that towards building it on that what will remain? For me, I, I know I know without a shadow of doubt, God's called me to ministry. And I'm so thankful for it, I love it, I love ministry. But for so long, I thought when God called me to ministry that I needed to go and do it on my own. But I have to understand that ministry isn't a platform. Ministry isn't the church. Ministry isn't like getting enough influence to then be able to speak to other people. Because Instagram can crash tomorrow. This platform might not be here tomorrow. And so I have to understand that I can't pursue ministry based off of worldly things. I can use worldly things, but I have to be okay and understand that they can fade away. And I want to encourage you tonight that the dreams and desires that are in you, they're good. They're good. We're meant to build. We're meant to pursue. We're meant to have a calling on our life. God put that there, but let's build to where it will last. Amen. And so we're going to go into how we have a choice. We have a choice what we're going to build our life on. And we have to understand a little bit about Babylon to understand how we don't fall into the trap of the system of the world. And so we're going to expose just a little bit about the systems of our world so then we can discern and know, hey, like, while I'm using the systems of the world, I'm not driven by them and I'm not being held up by them. And so this is called Babylon's Red Flags. Okay? In the name of Jesus. Babylon's Red Flags. So the first one is abominations. And so in Revelation 17 5, it says, Babylon the Great, the mother of prostitutes and of the abominations of the earth. The abominations in this is actually another word for it is idols. And it's saying that Revelation, this. Sorry, Babylon is actually holding the abominations of the earth, which are all the other idols of the earth Babylon is holding. And an idol, the thing about an idol is that it's false. It's an image, it's a likeness, but there's, no, there's nothing real to it. It's false. And so when we have to understand that what Babylon can offer us is only things that are false. That yes, they can be good, but there's no substance to it. There's no reality to it. It can only offer us false in a likeness of a good thing, a likeness of God, but it can't give you the real thing because it's an abomination. It's false. And so we have to understand that when we see the culture of the world and we see the systems that are going beyond us, we can look to them But don't play in to the lie that saying, Hey, if you buy into me, you'll get what you're looking for because Babylon can't offer you anything. It's all false. It's all can quickly again, fade away because there's no structure to it. There's no foundation to it. There's no actual reality to it. It's all false. And so when we approach it, we have to understand that Babylon can only offer us idols. Only a likeness, only an image, but not a real thing. And again, resources aren't bad, but we can't build our life off of them first because they're not actually real. And so I know that the world is trying to promise you that you can actually be like comforted and have stability and not have to worry about things. If you made enough money or if you had the house that you wanted, or you had the American dream. And the thing about it is I know we all struggle with that. I struggle with that. I'm like, Lord, I'm in the process of having to move right now. And it is not fun. It's not fun, but Babylon can't offer me anything. All it can offer me is false. So it can't offer me actual stability. It can try and it might feel good for a second. You might feel stable for a second, but it actually won't sustain you. Cause it's not real. It's just an idea. It's just an image. It's just likeness. And so we have to understand that. And so the red flag, abominations. In John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth and the light. Jesus says, I am the truth. Praise God that we actually are offered something true. We don't get stuck just with our culture and our system. We're actually offered something true, and that's good news to me. That's good news to me because I get a way out. I'm not stuck in this system, but I actually can be a part of something that's true. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. I'm not stuck in the system of the world. I'm not stuck always having to receive from something that only can offer me something fake or a likeness. I actually have an option I actually have a choice to be able to receive from something that's true, that's good news to me. That's good news to me. And so Babylon's first red flag is abominations. The second red flag is that she built in her own strength. And if you didn't know, Babylon is actually derived from the Tower of Babel. And in Genesis 11, there's the story of the Tower of Babel. If you haven't read it, I encourage you to go read it. It's in Genesis 11, it's only like nine verses. And the Tower of Babel is actually this time where Noah's Ark just happened, the flood of the earth. If you haven't read that, that's Genesis like 1 through 10. So you got that. But so Genesis 11, Tower of Babel, Noah's Ark, they just survived and they have kids and everything like that. And these people, they were like, let's build a tower so we're not scattered across the earth. They didn't want to be scattered. They were like, you know what, we're good here. I don't want to take the hike. I don't know about y'all, but I don't want to go take a hike. Like, I'm like, I'm chilling here. And so they were like, I'm going to take my life into my own hands, and I'm going to build a tower. And they're trying to build a tower to reach the heavens. And so what they did is that they got clay and sand and, like, fly ash or, like, lime, all this kind of stuff. They baked it, and they made brick. So that's what brick is made out of. If you didn't know, fun scientific fact. So they made this brick. And they would bake the brick and then they would build the tower. Bake the brick, build the tower, right? So they get up and they're like trying to reach the heavens. They think, and this is just such a great idea. Like they're like, we're going to reach the heavens. And they just are doing their thing, and God in His mercy steps in. And I say God in His mercy because when we study actually what brick is made out of, like I said, it's made out of clay and sand. And water destroys sand and clay. So if a storm comes that tower would have fallen anyways but sometimes we look at trials and we're like god why are you ruining what i'm building and god's saying i'm actually stepping in in my mercy to save you from destruction that's down the road i'm actually saving you from the destruction that is going to take place if you keep going down this path and sometimes we have to switch our perspective on our trials God can use bad situations for good, and we cannot build a life in our own strength, and I, man, God had to awaken me to this hard, because if you don't know me, I'm an extremely driven person, like I, you put a goal in front of me, I don't care what it takes, I'm gonna achieve that goal, like I I'm across that finish line. I don't care how painful it is. I think it's athletics in me. I just sports like all growing up. So I'm like, it's championship game day. Like I'm, I don't care what it takes. If my foot is broken, I'm playing. Like there's just nothing stopping me. And so the thing about it is when God called me into ministry, like I said, I thought it was that I had to get to it in my own strength. And so for me, when I got called into ministry, I was like, that's my dream. That's my desire is to be in ministry to be able to come along young adults and do life with y'all and show people the love of God is everything that I know that God's called me to, and I love it. But I approached it in the wrong way because I built it off of my own strength. And for so long, like literally, I mean, I've only been alive for like 22 years, right? But for my 21 years of living, I pursued this dream with everything inside of me. I literally, I would wake up, spend hours with the Lord in prayer, and then go to work, grind out, because I'd be grinding out, come home. I'll be writing because I want to write a book. And I'm like, this book is going to change people's lives. So I'm going to write my book. Then I'm going to read a leadership book because I want to be a better leader. And then I may watch one TV show, but probably not and go to bed and do it all over again. That was like literally my daily routine. I'm not even kidding you. This girl's psycho. I know I was crazy. (laughs) So I was just so disciplined because I was so driven to get to this goal. But it wasn't until when I turned 21 ish, Um, Some of you guys know, but my dad was actually diagnosed with cancer back in 2020. And the cancer was a terminal illness. Like, there was no cure, nothing like that. And so for 20 months, that 20-month journey, he, like, slowly just, like, cancer just kind of overtook him. And he passed away June 1st. And for me, I was like, God's good. And you're like, you're literally crazy. I know. I was like, God's good. He's on the throne. I'm like, I trust him. I know that this is going to work out. I know that he's faithful. Like he may not have healed him here on earth, but he's healed in heaven. Like I did all of that for about four months. It was like June, July, August, September, around October, November ish. I started to crash and it's because I was, it was like, I was treading water and I was like, gotta stay afloat. God's good. Gotta stay afloat. Like I have to keep running. God didn't fail me. It's good. Life didn't hurt. It's fine. My dad's healed, and slowly and slowly, slowly, I just started to drown, and I, I like I literally started to drown, and it was terrifying because I couldn't trust myself to get out of bed anymore, and I was like, I was I was just at the point of like depression. I had no energy, and it was like I was just in such like darkness but it was like there was a cliff. And this cliff was like giving all up, just completely giving up. And I was like, I can't do it, because if I give up, I'm not coming back out of this. And it was this fear, like I had this fear crippling me that if I didn't do it in my own strength, I'm not gonna achieve what God's called me to, so I can't give up. And so I kept trying, I was like, no, God's good. I'd read my Bible, I'd do things right, I would like just super disciplined. But finally, I, I literally couldn't do it anymore. And so I've been going to grief counseling, which has been huge. And my counselor talked to me about how a lot of times when we get a call of God on our lives, we're going from here to here to get there, and we're building a bridge, across. But there's actually a you. And the only way to get to here is if you die to yourself. And it's so scriptural, because in Romans it says you got to die to yourself. To die is gain, right? And so when we actually fully give in and we fully give up is where resurrection life meets us. I know my counselor is literally amazing. Praise God for Ashley. So, but it, it rocked my world. Cause I was like, I, I've never had to really trust God with my emotions cause I've always been so like on top of it. But in that point, literally my own strength failed me and it terrified me to not be able to count on myself terrified me. But when I finally gave in, oh my word, it was a weight taken off my shoulders because I actually could give in to all that I was feeling and still be loved by God and still have a calling and a purpose on my life because it actually was never my strength and my doing in the first place. And when you fully give up your own strength, you understand that it's not God, it's not me, it's God in me. And the leader that I am today, oh my word, when I tell you it's God and not me, it really is, because I'm a hot mess. Life is so hard right now. I'm not kidding. Going on two years of grieving my dad has been so hard. There's been this deep exhaustion that I just feel like right when I wake up, I'm like, all I want to do is go back to sleep for the rest of the day. It's real. I'm having to move right now. The market is terrible. I have to move by the end of the month. Everyone would be praying in the name of Jesus, we're gonna find the house. But, and then like I'm living on my own. This is the first year that I've lived on my own. And adulting is not easy. That first year adulting, trying to figure out, like a meal's just not on the table when I get home. Like I have to feed myself. I have to go grocery shopping, Lord help me. Literally, meal prepping, oh my gosh, it's the worst. And it's been so hard. But God is like, I'm walking you through it day by day. And we have to understand that Babylon is telling us that own strength will fade away. And sometimes the trials, again, in God's mercy, he will show us that and save us from our own strength and trying to go down a path. If I would have kept going down the path that I'm in, I really believe that I would have failed in ministry because I wouldn't have been able to sustain it. But God in us can sustain it. He wants to offer you his strength, but we have to give up full control and trust him with it and say, God, I give it to you because I can't do it in my own strength. I give it to you and trust you with it. Don't fall into the lies of Babylon and our culture and our systems that's telling you, if you work hard, you'll get to where you need to. You might, but you won't last because strength will fail, we're flesh. That's why Jesus came and died on the cross. He knew we would need his strength in this life. He knew we would need him. And so he came so we could rely on his strength. Praise God. And so I want to encourage you, don't do life in your own strength when there's an easier way. If you're exhausted, if you're exhausted, check your heart and say, God, am I not relying on your strength? Where am I not relying on your strength? Because I'm exhausted and fully given to him. Surrender it to Him, because He has strength for you. And we can count on His strength, because He'll never fail. Amen? Amen. Praise God. The last, abomin- or the last red flag. So we got the red flag of abomination. We got the red flag of her own strength. And the last one is the red flag of greed in comparison. And so Babylon, this wealthy city, this luxurious city, never was satisfied, always wanted more. Always wanted more power, more influence, more money, more, like literally more everything, more trades. They wanted everything more. And when you find yourself in this greedy space, you want more, then you get more, then you want more, then you get more. And it's a cycle that has no hope. Because you actually will never be fully satisfied. You'll never be fully fulfilled. And hope, another definition for hope is to believe and get fulfilled. And so when you have hope, you're being fulfilled. You're actually being satisfied. But Babylon will not satisfy because it's so greedy. It's always wanting more. It always wants to get more. It's always wanting more. So there's no hope in it. It's hopeless. So when we build our life off of Babylon, we're going to be stuck in a cycle of hopelessness because we're always wanting more. And again, resources aren't bad. God uses them and blesses us with them. But when we're always wanting more and we're so discontent or we're always comparing and saying, I want that, I want that house, I want that car. I want that kind of family. I want that much money. I want that kind of influence because they have that influence or they have that house. God, why can't you give me that house? You gave it to them. And it's always comparing, always wanting more. But if you find yourself in that cycle, you'll find yourself hopeless. But the good news is that God gives us hope. He gives us hope because he fulfills us. Everything is found in Jesus. Everything is found in him. And he gives us this hope that awakens us and actually fulfills us so we can find ourselves actually be, being content in this life. And contentment is such a beautiful thing because you're not always trying to seek after more. You're actually satisfied and fulfilled. And it's honestly in those spaces where God really kind of blesses you the most because you're already content. You've already found everything that you need in Him. That's where He really operates in blessings because He's like, wow, my daughter and my son are counting on me and they're fulfilled by me. I'm going to reward them in overflow. And so we can't get caught up in Babylon culture. We can't get caught up in the American dream. We can't get caught up in saying, I always want more because then we're always going to find ourselves hopeless. But I have good news. I have good news, we don't have to rely on that. We were given a way out. Without Jesus, we would have had to. Without Jesus, we would have been stuck in hopelessness. But man, God gives us a way out. And he says, I have hope for you. Amen. And so when we talk about what, do, what will fade away, verse 12 addresses that what will remain. And so verse 12 says, blessed is the one Who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. That word perseverance is literally, like the definition is to remain. And so those that remain through trials, those that don't fade away, they will receive the crown of life to those who love him. Jesus promises us this reward to those who love him. And the thing about Babylon is that everything in Revelation is just a big war between evil and heaven. And the thing about evil is that it can't really create anything new. So all they can is mimic the things of heaven. And the thing about Babylon, she's a prostitute. The thing about God is that we're the bride of Christ. We're the bride of Christ that remains And when we love him, when we have relationship with him, we can make it through trials because we're tied and linked and soul tied and bound to him, the one that remains. And that's the beauty of being the bride of Christ. That's the beauty of having relationship with Jesus. When you step into relationship with Jesus, you're part of the bride of Christ. And the bride of Christ has no abominations. The bride of Christ is real, it's pure. Lust is abomination, purity is wholeness. Lust tears you from the inside out. Purity heals you, because it's whole. It's unfiltered, that's what purity literally means, pure, unfiltered, undivided, whole. And the bride of Christ is whole. It's real, it's alive. And the good news is that Jesus is coming back for his bride. He's coming back to save us from our trials. He's coming back not only with life, but reward. He's saying, I will reward the crown of life. The crown of life isn't salvation. The crown of life is a reward given to those who make it through trial. It's a reward. You mean that heaven's just not it? I can have rewards? Yes heaven isn't the goal it's literally Jesus in his presence forever it's the reward of heaven it's having crowns that we're going to be able to cast before his throne it's so beautiful and it's real it's not a false image Jesus is the real thing And when we build a relationship with Jesus, love comes alive in us and we cannot fail. No matter how much you give up, you're tied to the one that remains. So you're already in victory. And we can praise the Lord for that because he gave us a way out. He gave us a way out of the systems of the culture. He gave us a way out of hopelessness. He gave us a way out of false image and dissatisfaction. He gave us a way out. And he said, I'm gonna come, give him a way out. That's why Jesus died on the cross. And he says, now when you step into relationship with me, you're part of the bride of Christ and I'm coming back for my bride. And so when we build our lives, we have to understand that regardless of the resources of the world, we have to prioritize relationship with him because that will never fail. And the thing about this scripture is that James is actually pulling from Isaiah 40, verse 8. And it says, The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of God lasts forever. The thing about the word of God is that the word of God is a person. In John, it says, The word of God became flesh and dwelt among us. John 1.1. And the thing about the word of God is that it's not a book to read. It's a person to know. It's a relationship that we're having with the word of God. We read it to understand it, to know it. And this is what carries us through the journey because we know who we're tied to. This gives us what our culture is in heaven. The Bible says we're seated in heavenly places already. When you're in relationship with him, we come from the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of the world. We're already in victory. We have good news. And I wanna challenge us the same way that we've been just studying verse by verse. We're four weeks into studying one chapter. Why? Because the Word of God is meant to study and to know and understand that one verse actually ties to so much more. There's so much like together, God weaved together this book, because it's His heart, His heartbeat is this. And so we say it a lot, but my literal one and only point for you is to be the bride of Christ and know your groom. Know the one you're in relationship with. Live your life with the one you're in relationship with. It's good news. It's good news. You're not stuck where you are. You're offered so much more. If you're stuck in suicidal thoughts, life, life is in this. The word of God heals our hearts. It refreshes our bones. Like I said, Hebrews 4.12, it's living, it's active, not to condemn us, but to heal us, to set us free, to bring us into hope and stability. Cause I know that trials are hard and life gets tough. Trials are gonna come and they're gonna expose you from the inside out. But when you have the word of God in you, you won't fail. We can't fail. We can stand firm. It's a firm foundation. And I want you to choose to believe it tonight. Choose to take the journey to believe it. It's a long journey here on earth, but I promise you, if you prioritize this, your life will be changed forever in eternity. Because I want to last. And I want you guys to choose tonight. Choose choose to believe tonight. Even if you're a believer, it's so good to be reminded of what you're tied to. It's so good to be reminded who you belong to because we belong to the God that reigns and remains, never will fail, already got the victory, took you from death to life. Without God, we would be in death. Death to life, hopelessness to hope lust to purity, awakening us, breath inside your lungs. As long as you have breath inside your lungs and you're in Christ, you will remain and you will last through trials. So I'm going to encourage everyone to stand and I'm going to close. I wanna give you guys a chance to respond to this, because I believe that God has been speaking to you. The Word has been revealing to you things that you might be, yes, you might be a believer, but you can still try and do things in your own strength. You still can try and feed off of the systems of the world. You still can believe lies from the world that they're gonna offer you something. And if you're an unbeliever in the room, I want to invite you into relationship with the one that's going to remain. And so we're going to go in time of prayer. So if you're saying, Jess, I want to step into relationship tonight. I want to believe that Jesus died and rose again to bring me out of darkness, to bring me out of death, to bring me out of my situation, to bring me out of hopelessness if that's you and you've never built a relationship with Jesus Christ, I just want you to come down to the front and you're saying, I wanna step into that tonight. And I'm saying to come forward because I want you to boldly take this choice because it's not about, it's not about being seen. It's not about being seen. It's about you coming out of where you're at and going to where you're meant to be, which is home and being the bride of Christ. God. is there anyone else saying I want to leave where I'm at I want relationship with Christ it comes with Christ praise God thank you Lord thank you, thank you Jesus anyone else This is the best decision you can ever make in your entire life. Man, you're stepping into life. And even if your circumstance doesn't change where you're at right now, you have life living on the inside of you that's going to remain. And so I'm going to pray, and you guys are just going to repeat after me. And you're going to accept Jesus Christ into your heart. And all the believers, we're going to pray with them. Dear God, Dear God I thank you, I thank you, that, you that you sent your son to die on the cross, on the cross and rise again, again to save me, to save, me. Save, me to save me from sin, save me from death, save me from, save me from, hopelessness. Save me from hopelessness, and set me free I believe in you, Jesus. Will you come into my life? Will you transform me from the inside out? Will you heal my heart? Jesus Christ, I declare you Lord and Savior over my life. In Jesus' name, amen.